Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for October 9th, 2017. On today's show, we're going to be talking about the Guardians of the Galaxy. We're going to be talking about Fantastic Beasts sequel casting, Disneyland's plans for a Spider-Man ride, Pacific Rim Uprising trailer, uh, Disney's plans to produce original content for their streaming service, a Fast and the Furious spinoff, and In the Mailbag. We'll continue our discussion about spoilers, this time about trailers that gave away big reveals. On today's podcast, joining me are Huay Tran Bui. Hey, everyone. And Chris Evangelista. Hello. This is definitely not the second time we're recording this. Uh, insert banter <laughs> here that we've already recorded because of my mess up and into the news. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, James Gunn has always made himself available on Twitter. And recently someone asked if the characters in Guardians of the Galaxy are actually speaking English. And he actually said that they are not speaking English, uh, that it is being translated to English for our viewing pleasure. Uh, Chris, you wrote the story for SlashFilm.com. What do we know? Right. So like you said, uh, people have asked James Gunn this question on Twitter before, and he's actually answered it in the past. But uh, according to him, the characters in the film have translator implants in their necks 
that basically translate all the various alien languages, which explains why it sounds like everyone, you know, out there in the galaxy is speaking English, but they're not really. It's the, it's the translator working for them. And in the first film, there's actually a, uh, a hint of this uh, in the first Guardians of the Galaxy during the lineup scene uh, with the character of uh, Peter Quill. There's a bunch of text on the screen in his lineup. And at the very bottom of the screen, it says translator implant in neck. So it was revealed all the way back in the first film. If you, I guess, like eagle eyed viewers could catch it. I've watched this movie many times and have never noticed that. Uh, I wonder what this means for Infinity War, because the Guardians are going to come in contact with our Earth uh, set Avengers. Will they explain the translation on screen or is that just something that they don't even need to get into? Uh, I doubt they'll explain it on screen, but James Gunn's answer is that the translators work both ways. So in his words, it says if they're talking with someone who speaks French, they can both understand and speak French because of the translator. So basically it translates other people's languages for them. And then it translates their language into whatever language the person they're speaking to speaks, if that makes any sense. You know, I appreciate that James Gunn has thought about this. That has, yes. he has put he has put the thought in uh, time and effort to come up with a reasoning for this, uh, despite how crazy or insane it is. Um, <laughs> moving on, uh, there has been some Fantastic Beasts sequel casting. Uh, HT, you wrote this article for SlashFilm.com, including a figure that we have heard about in the Harry Potter books. So Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them just released a bunch of new casting announcements for the sequel, and one of which includes former Daily Show correspondent Jessica Williams, uh, who recently starred in her own Netflix series, or Netflix film, The Incredible Jessica James. So she's starting to uh, try out the acting world. And she will be playing an undisclosed character, but we've also learned about other new and sort of familiar characters who will be coming into Fantastic Beasts 2. Uh, they include uh, Brontus Jorowski as um, Nicholas Flamel, who yeah. is a familiar character uh, that we heard of in the first Harry Potter film, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, or the Philosopher's Stone in the UK version. So Nicholas Flamel is a very renowned figure who we've never seen on screen, but we'll be seeing him for the first time as a sort of young and strapping wizard, uh, young for, I guess, a 500-year-old, because he uh, is the only known maker of the Philosopher's Stone, which extends his own life. Um, by the time Harry Potter comes around, he is 690 years old. So in Fantastic Beasts, which takes place about 100 years before, well, not 100, but like 70 years before Harry Potter, he will be uh, 620 <laughs> and um, he is an old friend of Albus Dumbledore, and it's also implied that he was a partner of Dumbledore at one point. Um, so we may see some of that play out with uh, the young Dumbledore played by Jude Law. Uh, other casting includes characters that we've never heard of called Spielman, Bunty, Torquil Travers, Rosary, Arnold Guzman, and uh, a few more unnamed characters. So that is really exciting. It's some very Harry Potter-esque names. And um, yeah, I'm excited to see who Jessica Williams plays. She doesn't have a, a character um, synopsis yet or uh, who she'll be playing, but um, seeing her star rise is very exciting. 
I have not seen her film. I know it was it, it debuted at Sundance this year, where I think Netflix bought it. Um, have either of you seen the film? I saw it. It was okay. Really, at, was... at Sundance, it was like the the thing that everybody was talking about. It was like one of the top five big buzz films. I don't know. I did. It didn't make much of an impact upon me when I watched it. It kind of felt very much in line with that sort of. Uh, meandering millennial subgenre of film that Netflix has really taken to. It kind of felt like um, an elongated episode of Master of None, if that makes sense. It was well written and well acted, but it didn't really leave a lasting impact on me after after I watched it. Interesting. So uh, maybe I don't have to check it out. It was on my <laughs> list, but uh, th- those are not uh, praising words for that film. Um, Disney has been trying to bring Marvel to their theme parks for quite some time. There is a contract uh, preventing them from bringing Marvel characters to the Orlando parks or some of the Marvel characters. They have announced a uh, Guardians of the Galaxy ride coming to Epcot. Uh, They have previously announced that Marvel is going to have... uh, They have put a Guardians of the Galaxy attraction in Disney's California Adventure, and that is the first of a... A bunch of stuff, Marvel, that is planned to come to California Adventure, but they have not announced what it is. Uh, Now that a new patent gives us a clue of what might be coming to Disneyland, Chris, you wrote this article for SlashFilm.com. What do we know? Right. So according to this patent, uh, it's for something called a track-based swing ride with long-arm pendulum, which doesn't sound that exciting, but uh, apparently it's supposed to simulate the experience of basically swinging from either tree to tree or swinging from uh, perhaps a web of Spider-Man. Uh, yeah. The patented list either it could be emulating Tarzan, obviously swimming, swinging from tree to tree, or also Spider-Man swinging between skyscrapers. Let, and uh, Let's try to describe what this is. The, the, the drawing, which you can see on SlashFilm.com, is kind of like these people in a ride vehicle that are held from above by a pendulum. So if you've ever right. seen a pendulum that's that can swing side to side, back and front in any direction, it's basically you are the pendulum and you, you are being moved like a roller coaster through a dark ride. On it that, looks like a, uh, it looks like a ski lift that basically <laughs> spins in a, a complete circle. Yeah, it's actually pr- a pretty crazy concept. I'm surprised that no one's ever done this before. Okay, so. Th- th- I, I'm guessing that this people are speculating that this could be used to swing through the skyscrapers of Manhattan as as Spider-Man, right? Right, exactly. And uh, again, it says you know, like in the set, the patent, it mentions both Tarzan and Spider-Man, and like you said, uh, which I didn't I didn't realize this, but I didn't realize that Disney couldn't didn't have the rights to the Mar- Marvel character rise like this. So if if the patent doesn't work out, they could always just turn it into a Tarzan thing because they have the rights to that from the, the Disney Tarzan film. Yeah. I mean, they could also do Jungle Book or something like that as well. I'm sure right, they can yeah. use it. Uh, they'll, they'll find a place to use it somewhere. Uh, but it's it, it's exciting because I'm I'm a Marvel fan. I'm a Disneyland fanatic. I'm an annual pass holder. And I want to see more Marvel in the parks. And a ride like this seems unlike anything I've seen at Universal or any of the other theme parks. So I'm, I'm excited to see this actually happen, uh, if it ever happens, you don't know. They file patents all the time that, you know, never come to fruition. Uh, mm. But uh, we'll have to see. Um, also in the news, uh, with uh, Disney, is Disney is 
uh, we, we've talked in the past that Disney Disney is planning their own streaming service. And we we speculated at the time that they might pull a CBS uh, all access and basically launch like a Star Wars live action TV series that is exclusive to the streaming service to get people to subscribe because that would be devious and it would make me lose my money that fast. <laughs> um and, uh, you know, until now, they've only said that they were going to put their movies on there. But in a new statement, which Chris has covered on the site, uh, they have confirmed their plans to do original content. Chris, what do we know? Right. So, yeah, like you said, they're, you know, the, originally the plan was they're just going to take their, their things off Netflix. And for a while, they even said maybe they would negotiate Star Wars and Marvel. But then they eventually just said, no, we're going to take that, too. And now they're saying... Basically, they're going to plan to make original TV series and films. The plan is actually at least five new new films per year just for the streaming service. Jeez, that 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 is, amount. Yeah, and and they've said TV series too. In addition to right. that, right? Right. So, yeah. So that's pretty crazy. I, I'm imagining that they're gonna they're gonna utilize their you know the Star Wars franchise. They're gonna utilize the Marvel franchise. They're gonna utilize. Uh, you know, their theme park franchises in some way. Um, I'm excited to see what comes of this. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how many streaming services are going to pop up and how many you're going to dish out money from your pocket to subscribe to uh, for all this original content that, you know, at one time was kind of like, you know, in one place in the, uh, on, a, on your cable subscription, but now is being kind of torn into all these different uh, digital services. Um, it is, does when the, the, when the Disney streaming service comes out, do you guys plan on subscribing is, is original content, like what they've been hinting at something that would get you to subscribe? Well, I already have most of the Disney films that would be on this streaming service. So this actually offers a good incentive for me to actually subscribe because I wasn't planning to subscribe before. Um, so if they are good original content, I kind of foresee Disney is stretching themselves thin because they're going to be doing TV shows for, you know, the Disney channel for ABC for net for Netflix. Cause they still have the Marvel series there and, um, the star Wars series that are taking place on Disney XD. I, it's going to be a lot of content to, to consume and to, uh, create. So I wonder if the the one that they offer on the streaming service will be any good. If they are, then, and if they pique my interest, then I might subscribe. Hmm. Uh, and Chris? Yeah, I mean, right now my answer would be no, just because I have, I belong to so many streaming services. Already. I think I belong to like five, and that just feels like way too many already. But I know the minute I start seeing... Uh, like the promotional material for their new things and it starts looking cool. I'm going to be like, I, I need to <laughs> I need to shell out more money and actually start subscribing to this. I mean, right now the answer is no, but I'm sure it'll change. Well, you are the king of streaming services. You cover all the streaming services on a monthly basis on SlashFilm.com. So I'm, yes. I'm sure for business reasonings, <laughs> you will have to be involved uh, <laughs> when, when, when they launch. Uh, when, when is this? 2020? 2019. 2019. 2019. Yeah. yeah. Um, moving on. 
yesterday on the podcast, we talked about Tyrese had some choice words for The Rock in relation to the Fast 9 being delayed. Um, we speculated at the time that maybe it meant that the Fast and the Furious spinoff with Dwayne Johnson was the reason. After we recorded the podcast, news actually came out that that was the reason. Uh, HD, what do we know? So it's been confirmed that a Fast and Furious spinoff starring Dwayne Johnson, Jason Statham, as their characters Luke Hobbs and Deckard Shaw will be getting a spinoff. Uh, it's going to be released in July 26, 2019, uh, which was around the original scheduled date for Fast and Furious 9, which has now been pushed back to 2020. So all of the sort of Tyrese Gibson ramblings and uh, behind-the-scenes trouble that we've heard with the Fast and Furious family kind of has resulted to this, which now makes a lot of sense. Um, it's going to be written with a, by... The script is going to be written by Chris Morgan, uh, and it will presumably deal with uh, these two's own adventures. The they portrayed a lot of um, chemistry on during Fate of the Furious, and uh, apparently there was originally a sort of short tag that was filmed uh, with um, Hobbs and Shaw that was going to. Uh, relate to them considering to go off on their own adventures away from Toretto's team. Uh, but Vin Diesel caught wind of this tag and uh, ordered it to be cut from the film. So that was supposed to be sort of like a backdoor pilot to the spinoff, which um, is now happening officially. And um, yeah, I I do see the chemistry between them. And I really, I did enjoy Deckard Shaw's uh appearance in Fate of the Furious, despite my reservations about him killing Han. I really hope that this spinoff will maybe deal with Han's death because uh, Deckard Shaw did kill him and was responsible for Sun Kang um, exiting the series. And uh, maybe Han will become the villain of this spinoff, which I would be I would welcome with with uh, open arms. Well, how how would that even be possible because he's dead? I mean, I guess anything's possible in the Fast and the Furious universe. They can bring people back from the dead. Yeah, they brought um, plenty from the dead. But uh yeah, it seems like a lot of people are pissed off at this franchise uh for their treatment of Han and given giving uh Statham's character who essentially killed him kind of like he's now part of the team. Um yeah. I, I think they're going to have to address this if they want to if they want to please the hardcore fanatic fans, uh, they're going to have to address it in some way. Uh, it's uh, it is a Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham spinoff film. Something you are interested in, Chris? Uh, I, I'm uh, I'm not caught up with the series. I didn't see the last one. I saw the one before that. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll probably see it. I'll see anything, but <laughs> I'm not I'm not exactly. Uh, chomping at the bit for it i'd say but you know if it if it's entertaining enough i'll give it a chance <laughs> uh talking about entertaining enough uh a film that i enjoyed quite a bit is guillermo del toro's pacific rim uh sequel is coming out called pacific rim uprising uh no colon which really pisses off ht and uh <laughs> And they have released a trailer alongside their New York Comic Con panel, which hit the web today. And I, before we get into the mailbag, I just wanted to talk a little bit about that uh, and get your opinions on this. Uh, uh, before I throw it to UHT, uh, I want to say that uh, as, as a fan of this 
franchise. I don't think the f- first one was am- amazing, but it was it was a lot of fun, uh, despite some uh, problems like uh, the main character or ma- lead actor. Um, th- this trailer, I, w- I was so excited for this sequel, and this despite Del Toro's lack of involvement in this trailer make it, it it fulfills all the worries i had about this sequel uh, it looks at least judging by these three minutes it looks kind of like a glossy hollywood blockbuster it, it seems not to have the charm like the weird kind of uh charm that del toro brought to it um it kind of feels more power rangers ish than pacific rim ish uh ht what were your thoughts on this trailer well first i want to talk about that colon if universal (laughs) wants us to have it as just pacific rim uprising with no colon they should have that in the imdb and wikipedia pages and it makes no grammatical sense Anyways, (laughs) Anyways, <laughs> yes, we, we've actually gotten emails from Universal correcting us on having a colon in there, and uh, they're they were not not too happy about that. So I love Guillermo del Toro. He's one of my favorite directors. I think he's just a visually dazzling and visionary director. Um, Pacific Rim Uprising wasn't exactly my cup of tea. I really enjoyed it, and I love that uh, del Toro has this made this essentially a love letter to mecha anime and kaiju movies. Well, he literally called the monsters in his film Kaiju. And you can tell that this was definitely an homage to all of the um, B-movies and sort of 80s um, animated series and toy lines that came out of that whole phenomenon. Uh, Whereas the second one, it kind of, it feels like a weird sort of circular... um, return to like the toy merchandise sort of aspect of it so whereas the first one had like a lot of charm and was definitely just about like this genre homage pacific rim uprising feels like a movie that was made to sell toys and not in not in a good or bad way i have i have reservations with it because of scott eastwood and his a prominence in this movie and the trailer. I do not think he is a charismatic actor and I don't know why Hollywood is trying to push him as the next leading man. If you remember, he was in Suicide Squad and he was completely forgettable. I actually don't remember if he lived or died at the end. And for some reason, he is the co-lead next to John Boyega. Um, so I I like the cast other than Eastwood. I like John Boyega. I like that Rinko Kikuchi, Charlie Day, and Bern Gorman are returning. I did not like that Makomori was nowhere to be seen in this trailer. And I agree with Peter's assessment that this feels kind of Power, Ranger, Power Rangers-y. It's like a next generation mm-hmm. sort of thing. All these young millennials taking over and sort of um, living up to this legacy from the first film. And uh, it just felt like a sort of a hollow homage to this film that itself was an homage to a sort of subgenre of film and uh anime so i don't know it it feels weird it's like an echo effect in a way yeah and and it's weird too because they like aren't like the the only way that they're distinguishing it from the original is you know we're seeing some fights in daylight and we're seeing a bigger kaiju that is going to take like a team battle 
and that's that's the only those are the only selling points of this other than what john boyega um i don't know uh chris what, what are your thoughts on this uh i'm sort of in the same boat where i love del toro but i wasn't a huge fan of pacific rim the first one but i'd say pretty much everything i really liked about that first one was as a result of his involvement. So now that he's not involved with this one, it definitely does not hold my interest as much. And um, I mean, I, I like John Boyega a lot, so I'm, I'm, he, you know, he's a really charismatic actor. So I'm sure he'll he'll work overtime to make the film better than it, it could possibly be. But I don't know. I'm not a hundred percent sold on the, this. Yes, this yet. If Del Toro was definitely returning and directing. I'd be like, all right, I'm going to see that. But now I'm sort of iffy on it. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see how this turns out. I'm, I'm still going to uh, see this uh, when it comes out. Uh, but I am far less excited to see it. Um, let's get into the mailbag where we're going to talk more about trailers. Uh, Ed in St. Paul, Minnesota writes in, quote, your your spoiler conversation had me think of a story from the summer. I showed my 11 year old son and 12 year old daughter, both massive budding film geeks, the first two Terminator movies. They really liked the first. And we, uh, watched T2 a couple days later leading up to T2. I didn't want, didn't let them watch the trailer or even read the back of the DVD packaging. I brought them in cold. They had no idea that Arnold's Terminator was going to be a good guy when he protects John and for the first time in the shopping mall and fights the T-1000, their jaws dropped. They were shocked. My son jumped up with his hands in the air and started running around yelling yes 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 guess what he's going to be for halloween this year the twist that arnold was was a good guy was thrilling for them and they loved it great experience for them the funny thing is uh i was 16 when t2 came out uh and there never was a twist everybody knew when they saw t2 that arnold was the good guy i don't think a single person in 1991 walked into the theater without knowing that cameron does structure it so that it it could be a surprise he doesn't give it away although if if you really think about the biker bar scene it's pretty obvious but knowing the twist doesn't diminish the enjoyment or love of this movie. I've always been one. It's always been one of my favorite action movies of all time. But in terms of your conversation about coming into the a movie pure, this is an example of some re, uh, that would really benefit the joy that came came from it. Uh, knowing the twist that wasn't really a twist didn't ruin the movie for anyone, but man, it did add for the experience of my kids. Uh, can you think of any other twists that everybody knew about going in, uh, where the movie could be benefited from viewers going in cold? Okay. That was a long email and I apologize (laughs) if I I stumbled a little bit over it. Um, Terminator is one of the biggest examples of that. And that's something I've used uh, many times. It's almost as if the script was written for that inciting incident of, uh, you know, Arnold protecting John Connor to be a surprise. But of course, you cannot sell that movie. You cannot have a plot synopsis for that movie without revealing that Arnold, that the T-800 is the good guy, right? Like, there's no way to 
market that movie to people without ruining that. Uh, so, okay, but let's get to this question. Uh, what movies could have benefited for uh, from viewers going in blind? Uh, you know, I, I guess he's basically asking what uh, films did the trailers totally ruin twists? And the first two that come to my mind are also Terminator films. And that would be Terminator Salvation and Terminator Genesis. Uh, Terminator Salvation. And by the way, we should probably... Uh, we should probably preface this that we're going to talk about films and their twists. So if you are worried about getting uh, spoiled on a twist reveal that was in a trailer, uh, turn off now. <laughs> um, yes. So uh, Terminator Salvation had uh, Sam Worthington as one of the main characters. He's kind of like the eyes and ears of the audience going into this film. And it turns out that he is a Terminator. This is a reveal in the film. It's not even a reveal in the first act. Like it is uh Terminator two. It's a reveal much further, I believe. Right. Um, and this is something that it was all in on the marketing. Uh, but I think even worse than that is Terminator Genesis that revealed that Jason Clark, who plays John Carter Connor is a Terminator. Like how cool would that have twist been if they had, you know, kept that for the movie. Uh, but, you know, it, it is and it's not something early on in the film. This is like a mid act twist. They spoil. Um, I, I know that we just went through two podcasts of me defending <laughs> uh, spoil, uh, you know, movies not being able to be spoiled. And, you know, I love trailers, but there are some really bad trailers. You know, there are some good trailers and there are the bad trailers. And we're talking about the bad trailers today. So, HT, what are, what are some examples that you can think of? Um, so, my first example is uh, The Island, which is directed by Michael Bay and stars Scarlett Johansson and Ewan McGregor. And there is, it starts with the premise that it's sort of like this uh, futuristic utopia where people are given a lottery so that they can go off and enjoy life on this mystical island, uh, but about 30 seconds into the trailer, I think not even a minute in, Ian McGregor screams, there is no island, and that spoils <laughs> sort of the the illusion of the beginning of the film. That Yeah, that that is a pretty big spoiler for that yeah. film. Um, Chris, how about you? Uh, for, so I don't even really like this movie exactly, but I remember the trailers for the film What Lies Beneath uh, the Robert Zemeckis movie that was sort of like a homage to Hitchcock. It had Harrison Ford and Michelle Pfeiffer in it. Uh, that trailer gives away multiple twists. Um, basically, the, the whole thing of that movie is uh, Michelle Pfeiffer it thinks her house is haunted, and then it turns out Harrison Ford's character, who plays her husband, had an affair, and he also killed his mistress and all this stuff. But all that stuff is supposed to be big, shocking twists, but it's pretty much all given away in the trailer of the film. Literally every single twist, even the twist that Harrison Ford is a murderer is in the trailer, which is presented as this big, shocking thing that comes out at like the very end of the movie. So that for me is probably one of the most egregious examples. Um, another one on my list is the another Robert Zemeckis film, actually. 
Uh, he filmed this uh, after that film. It's a film called Castaway, starring Tom Hanks. Uh, that you know, obviously Tom Hanks is stranded on a deserted island, and uh, in the trailer, I, I want to say, like, how, how far into the movie does he get off the island? Does anybody recall? Uh- it's, it's after like an hour and a half. It's like two thirds of the way through, yeah. yeah. So it, it's a pretty late development, um, and it, it's not like it's only he's off the island for a couple scenes. It's a significant portion of the film, but I think it's kind of a it's kind of a spoiler to reveal that he he makes it out alive, even though we know the hero is probably going to make it out alive. The, the trailer completely spoils that twist. It completely spoils the whole storyline of, you know, it, what happens when he comes back to reality, which I know is, I guess I understand why they're, they're using that selling point, but uh, it was, I remember it was disappointing at the time. Uh, H.G., do you have any others? Uh, my second choice is Speed, uh, the 90s action film starring Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock. So this was actually kind of a blink and you'll miss it spoiler, but it does get spoiled uh, during the trailer that the bus explodes uh, at the airport and the hostages on the bus make it out safely because you can see the hostages reacting to the bus exploding uh, during that scene. So it kind of takes away some of the tension from the movie where you're um, suspended for most of the film being like, are they going to make it? Are they going to um, make it off the bus? But, you know, they do. Why would why would they put that in the trailer? I guess, you know, they need an, you know, it's an explosion. It's they need some a lot action. Of yeah. Um, Chris, how about your last pick? Uh, right. So my last pick is from Dust Till Dawn, which is uh, I, I think it was the 90s. Also, it's this horror film uh, directed by Robert uh, Rodriguez and written by Quentin Tarantino. And uh, most of the, the the first half of that film, you don't actually realize it's a horror film. It looks like it's going to be just another like Tarantino esque crime movie. And then they get to a strip club and then it turns out it's actually a, a vampire movie. And I actually remember reading, I can't remember who it was, but it was either Tarantino or Rodriguez wished the marketing didn't give this away. Like they, they were hoping the marketing had would just present it as a crime film so that people would go to see that and that they'd be shocked to discover, oh, this is actually a horror movie. But uh, the marketing department didn't go for that. So all the trailers basically just give away the fact that there's this twist involving vampires but I feel like if they hadn't put that twist, it would have made the um, if it wasn't in the trailers, it would have made the film even more memorable because you wouldn't be expecting it. I don't think there's any way to sell that movie without revealing that twist, though. Probably not. I mean, now you probably could because you could be like, oh, it's the new Quentin Tarantino movie. But I guess then yeah. he, he wasn't the, quite the name he is now. Yeah. Uh, another recent recent example, uh, on the other hand of things, is Passengers, where they kind of kept the inciting incident out of the trailers, which is the fact that Chris Pratt, uh, you know, awakens uh, Jennifer Lawrence on this uh, space shuttle, uh, the space cruise or whatever it's called. Um And uh, they kept that out of trailers because they didn't want that to scare people away. They didn't want, you know, (laughs) but it's not something that's kept uh, from us, the audience, late into the film. Uh, You know, they were trying to keep uh, a story point out of the trailers. And I think it backfired on them huge because people went in thinking that this is going to be kind of like this 
you know, romantic comedy on a spaceship. And do you know what I mean? Like, uh, it, and then it was kind of creepy that Chris Pratt was basically dooming someone he didn't know to, uh, you know, death basically on the spaceship by waking them up from cryo sleep. Um, so I think that backfired huge. So that's one reason why I think studios don't, uh, want to be deceptive, uh, because you know, that can backfire like that. Uh, another recent example I wanted to mention is 10 Cloverfield Lane, where, um, they kind of show, well, they show two things. They show that she escapes the house, right? She's running outside of the house. And that's in, I think, at least the second trailer, if not the first. And in the trailers, they kind of show that there's something sci-fi going on. We don't know what. In the Japanese marketing, we we, we know what and we see what. Um, but uh, in the American marketing, like, I think they gave away too much. I, I, I think going into it, already having a title with the Cloverfield brand on it, we could have known that, like, oh, some there's going to be some kind of interesting sci-fi twist to this. And we, but I think the studio, Paramount, on two different levels, they don't want audiences going in thinking they're getting this contained thriller and feeling uh betrayed when it becomes something else but also you know a sci-fi kind of alien kind of thing is probably going to get more audiences to come buy tickets than a contained thriller so uh you know it's twofold um and I, I also uh, one last thing, not to, <laughs> to drag this out too much, but uh, Darren Aronofsky's Noah, I know for a fact they they screened that for a lot of church folk before the movie came out, and this movie kind of like has this fantasy take on the Bible story of Noah and involves these like big rock monsters and all this stuff. Uh, the the people from the churches that saw this film early and gave paramount feedback did not like, you know, the, that aspect of it. So paramount kept all of that out of the trailers kept, uh, you know, the rock monsters, you know, they, they wanted the people that go to church to go see this movie. And, uh, when those people did go see the movie, they kind of felt betrayed because it wasn't what they were selling. It was, kind of a fantasy take on it and uh interestingly enough i think more audiences that like genre films probably would have went and saw this biblical story if they had known that it kind of has like this lord of the Rings style kind of uh take on it on the story uh do, do you guys can you guys think of any other examples of uh audiences feeling betrayed by the marketing uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how they'll feel about it yet. I, I won't give anything away, but I will say, having seen Blade Runner twenty forty nine, the trailers do a very good job of not giving anything away. I would like when I saw the film, I was actually shocked at how little I knew about the movie, and the and the movie is just filled with things that a lot of people are not going to be expecting. And I actually have a feeling that might backfire just because it's a little different, and I have a feeling audiences aren't going to be prepared for that. But I don't know. Um, I think your point uh, applies a lot to a lot of horror films or 
movies that are mismarketed as horror films. So Shutter Island, for example, is sort of a psychological thriller, um, and it gets marketed as a standard horror film. And I know a lot of people were disappointed in that when they first went to see it. It kind of it's a lot more interesting than the trailers imply. Um. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that that case as well. Um, you know, as as long as studios want to get people to go put their hard earned money at the box office and see these movies, they're going to put whatever they can in the trailer to try to get you to, you know, exchange that money. And um, I do like to think that there are a lot of movies out there that have good marketing marketing that stands alone as an art uh you look at the dunkirk marketing you look at the blade runner marketing you look at uh, even the the marketing campaigns for the force awakens was brilliant and didn't reveal too much about the film uh it is a shame that you know every so often or probably more often than not that studios do uh put stuff in there to spoil big, uh, big reveals and big twists. Uh, but I think those were our, our top, uh, ones that we can remember. Uh, HD, where can we find more of your work online? You can find me at slashfilm.com. I'm on Twitter at H and have a podcast, the millennial Falcon podcast on iTunes. Chris, how about you? Uh, I'm also on Twitter. See evangelist of four I'm on slash film, obviously. Uh, I have something up this week at Nerdist on the Child's Play franchise, so go look for that. Very cool. And obviously, to submit questions to the mailbag, uh, you can email them to peter at slashfilm.com. Please leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention it on there, like we did with Ed from St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, you can listen to Slash Film Daily published every weekday on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, all the popular podcast apps. Please go to iTunes, give us a review, give us a rating. That helps us out quite a bit. Also, you know, tell your friends. And thank you for listening.